Good evening. It's uh, good to be with you. It's, uh, as Ross had said, it's uh, not my first time here. I was here, uh, I'm trying to work out, probably about 30 years ago when I was uh, actually welcoming people to your church as an usher for a, a wedding uh, for Norrie and Alison Mackay. I don't know if any of you were also at that wedding uh, quite a long time ago. Oh, really? I'll chat to you later. Uh, I wanted to look at a really well-known passage uh, this evening from uh, Philippians chapter 4. We'll come to the Bible reading in just a wee minute. In in my day job, I I work as a dentist, and I know that uh, when I say that to people, when people ask you, oh, what do you do, and you say, oh, I'm a dentist, then you you get a variety of responses from people. Sometimes they say, oh, can you have a wee look at this up here? But often it's, oh, I really hate going to the dentist. I really, uh, it's the last place I want to go is to go to the dentist. And uh, quite a bit of my work I spend seeing people who are sent by other dentists to come to our service because they're too scared to go to their own dentist. And when they come along uh, the first time, and I'll be doing this tomorrow again, is I, I say to them, we're just having a little chat I'm just going to have a little look and have a chat, and we're not doing anything today. And I say, what is it you're, you're afraid of about coming to the dentist? What are the things that people are afraid of? Yeah, that's the... Somebody mentioned that they're afraid of the bill, but, uh, and people might be afraid of the bill today, but often it's uh, that you're afraid of the needle, and afraid of the injection, and... Uh, you know, I'll make, if people say that to me, I'll make sure I don't wave it around in front of them, uh, but uh, to show them the needle. And often when they've been given an injection, they'll often say, you know, I, I was really, really worried about that. And then once I've had the injection, it's fine. It's, it's no big deal. There was, there was a waste of time worrying about it. Uh, the most common command in the Bible is not to fear. And it's there for a reason that we often have a, a natural tendency towards worry and anxiety and to fear. So I'd like us to take a little bit of time to think about that this evening. And if we can turn to Philippians chapter 4 and uh, reading from uh, verse 4, it's well-known verses that you'll know. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I just pause to pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence, to come to your word. 
And Lord, we just want to pray that you will examine our hearts and that you will speak through these words and that you will speak into our lives afresh. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just want to acknowledge uh, the help of Rick Warren. Uh, I found his material quite helpful in, in preparing this sermon. He's written uh, Purpose Driven Life and Purpose Driven Church, and uh, I found his uh, teaching in this quite helpful. So, first of all, it says, refuse to, to worry about anything. I'm sure we all want to know God's peace, and uh, there's five things here that I want us to look at that explain how it is that we can know God's peace, uh, no matter what our circumstances, to know the peace of God. And the first is a, a blanket statement given by Paul, refuse to worry about anything. He's not saying it's okay about the really big stuff, you can have a little worry about that and the other things, don't worry about them. But Paul says, do not be anxious about anything that covers all aspects of our lives, our security, our health, our well-being, our family, our job, our future, our children. If anyone had reason to be worried, Paul is writing in prison. He's probably in Rome in house, under house arrest. He's been under house arrest for two years and he writes practically and says, you know, don't be worried, don't be anxious about anything. And says to the, the people receiving the letter, you look at my life, I demonstrate to you, as I follow Christ, you follow me uh, and follow the example I'm setting before you in how I live. So I thought it useful just to, to go back and look at uh, what does Jesus actually say about the topic of, of worry and uh, being anxious. And uh, well-known verses from Matthew's, in the, Matthew's Gospel in chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and I'll just read them out from verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. 
So Jesus gives us several reasons there why not to worry, why not to be anxious. And the first is it's unreasonable and it's illogical. It exaggerates the problem, but it increases it and it makes it worse. Worry doesn't work. It's stupid because as you worry, uh, you worry about things you cannot change. And verse 27 is probably the opposite is true, that as you think and worry about something, uh, you can't lengthen your life, but you may well shorten your life through anxiety and through worry. I wonder if you've had the experience of going to bed and you're worried about something and it occupies your mind uh, so much that you, you can't get off to sleep. Or even worse than that is you get off to sleep and then you wake up during the night and the first thing that comes into your mind is the thing you're worried about and you can't settle, you can't get back to sleep. And uh, you spend the night like that, uh, fits of sleep and waking up. This is my son, uh, my wife Helen, uh, Callum. It's an older picture of him putting on his L plates onto the car when he was learning to drive. And uh, not so long ago he actually passed his test and he was taking the L plates off again. And he passed his test on a, a Friday. And on the Friday night, he wanted to go out uh, in the car uh, and to pick up some of his friends and to go for a drive and go to McDonald's. And uh, we said to him, well, okay, but we want you back and the car back by 11 o'clock at night. And uh, you can probably guess, 11 o'clock came and 11 o'clock went and there's no sign of Callum, no sign of the car, no news from him. Uh, phoned him, texted him, no answer on his mobile phone. And uh, then by 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, half past one, he shows up in the car. Uh, and Helen and I were both still awake, wondering his first time out in the car with his friends and what's happened to him. And it turned out he was fine. He just, he knew that uh, if he parked the car in the drive, it'd just be outside our window and he was talking to his friends, didn't want to disturb us. So he was, for about two hours, he was down the road about 100 yards away. But we were worried and uh, had a conversation about how to tell the time when he came back, uh, which I think teenagers have a lot of trouble with timekeeping and telling the time as they get older. But it was illogical and unreasonable to worry. unnatural, Jesus says, and he gives the example of the, the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. But Jesus is saying it's a, a learned behavior worry, that only humans worry. There's no born warriors, but it's something that we, we learn how to do. We can pick it up from others and we learn how to do it. I'm sure people have maybe said to you that the phrase, I'm worried sick, and uh, it's true that people can make themselves ill through worry, through anxiety. And maybe you've been through that yourself. I, I said it's only a human behavior to worry, but I, I came across a newspaper article about cats and dogs and about how cats and dogs can learn from their masters. And they, they often ad adopt the mood of the masters. This is just a picture from the internet of a rather uh, grumpy-looking cat. 
Uh, I was talking about this at work, and then somebody at work said uh, about a friend that she knew who'd moved home, and they couldn't get their cat to settle into the new home. Uh, so they took the cat along to the vet, and the vet said, oh, your cat's depressed. And they put the vet, the, the cat then was prescribed uh, onto antidepressants because of this. Uh, it's a whole new area for, for me to learn about, about cats and dogs having depression and having problems with anxiety. It's not a picture, just a picture I've taken from the internet, but it reminded me of Callum when he was uh, a lot more cute and a lot younger. And Helen and I, we lived in India for about 10 years, and Callum was actually born in North India, in the Punjab. And I remember the time as new parents that we were bringing Callum to meet his grandparents and bringing him back to to Britain, and for him, the first time of coming uh, to Scotland. And as a new parent, uh, as well as getting the usual stuff of, of nappies and of toys and of clothes and all that kind of stuff ready, uh, there was the passports and the needing to get a passport for Callum to get him into the UK and the travel arrangements we had to make. And Helen and I, uh, we were finding this quite uh, stressful to, to get all this organized. And Callum, in the midst of it, he was just lying in bed like this, surrounded by all of our clutter as we were packing and deciding what to leave behind. And I was quite envious. I looked at him and I thought, it's all right for you. You've just got to lie there. All you've got to do is stick with mum and stick with dad, and you're okay. And uh, quite uh, envious of him. And Jesus is saying, your heavenly Father will provide for you. If God provides for the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, how much more valuable are we to him? It's unhelpful. You're unable to make yourself taller or shorter, to lengthen your life by worrying. If you've had a sleepless night and you're worried about something, do you ever get up in the morning and think, well, I'm, I'm really glad I spent that night worrying. That was really useful. That really helped me to get things in perspective and uh, to really sort out this problem. Usually it's the opposite, that uh, as we toss and turn at night, it exaggerates the problem. It makes it worse. The only thing worry does is it changes us. It makes us miserable and it robs us of the peace that God wants to bring to us. It's unnecessary as well. We worry when we think of all the when we think it all depends upon us, that it's up to us to sort out the problem and deal with the issue. Jesus said that God will take care of your needs, that God is going to take care of your needs. To worry is a choice. It's a learned behavior. Although it might seem to come naturally, it's something that we've learned to do. And so it's something that we can unlearn as we learn to trust So refuse to worry about anything. Secondly, Paul says, talk to God about everything. Talk to God about everything. He says, don't panic, pray, don't worry, worship. Don't talk to yourself, but to God. 
If it's worth worrying about, it's worth praying about. Worry is effectively practical atheism. It's living as if we were spiritual orphans, as though God didn't really care about our lives and our circumstances. Just other verses that are well known to you in Romans chapter 8, in verses uh, 31 and 32 from Romans chapter 8. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Just a reminder there that God has solved the biggest problems in my life. The biggest problem I have is my alienation, my separation from God, my sin. And if God can, through the person of Jesus Christ, come and die for me and bring me back into relationship with himself, then everything else is small compared to that. So when we come to worry, we should use that as a reminder for, to pray, to turn that concern over to God and to pray and bring it again to God in prayer. And I encourage you to, to try and get into that habit as you find yourself returning to a thought, returning to a person, returning to a situation that concerns you. Each time that starts, to use it and say, thank you, Lord, that you're reminding me of this. You're bringing it to mind and help me to pray. Show me how to pray. Show me your mind in this situation. Paul also calls us to thank God in all things. Not for all things, but in all things. To always to pray with a thankful heart. That happiness and, and gratitude are linked together. And many reminders right through Scripture uh, calling us to be grateful. It's a habit to, to build into our lives to counter the habit of grumbling or of moaning. There's people I'm sure that you can think of that come to mind just now. Uh, and they always seem to be negative. They always seem to be something wrong. Uh, when you spend time with them, it feels like they're just kind of sucking the energy, sucking the life out of you, that uh, nothing seems to go well for them. And uh, they, they go through life complaining and moaning. Uh, and it's not that they have a monopoly on bad things happening to them, that they haven't been dealt a particularly bad hand in life. Their life isn't exceptionally more difficult or harder than anyone else's. And there's those who seem to be grateful and express gratitude in life. And it's not that they've had a, a really easy passage through life. It's often quite the opposite in their lives. And the difference between the, the grateful and those who moan and groan is not their experience of life, but it's their attitude towards the life that they have. And as worry is a choice, so too... Uh, Paul calls us to be thankful. It's a habit that we need to develop in our lives, a biblical attitude of the heart to be cultivated. Often we have the picture of life that it's a bit like this, that we travel through life and we have these peaks in our life where, uh, like mountaintop experiences, where things are going really well and then we drop down into the valley again. And uh, 
things are going really badly for us. And then things change and we climb up and we're on the mountaintop again. And another way of uh, thinking of life is, it's probably more accurate to think of your life as like a train track that uh, you're held on your journey through life by these tracks. And there's, on one hand, one track, the really good things that God brings into our lives and the blessings and the people and uh, the way that he pours his blessing into uh, our lives. And on the other, often parallel, running side by side, is all the, the difficulties and the suffering that we go through in life. And often we go through them together, the good and the bad mixed in together. And in everything, we're called to give thanks. For this is God's will for us. We'll experience all of us tremendous good and a tremendous bad. And often they're mixed up together. And this is God's will for us. I mean, we need to train ourselves to give thanks and to remember that God is still in control and that he cares and that he wants to develop trust and faith in our lives. So Paul also says, think about the good things. The thing with worrying is that it can be rather addictive that once you start doing it, it can spiral and it's surprisingly easy to feed your mind with more and more suggestions of things to worry about, uh, things you hadn't initially thought about, or oh, what if that happens as well, and then what am I going to do if that happens? And uh, we continue down that path, although there's often so little to be gained from it. Our mind is like a field. Is it ready to bear good fruit, good crops? Or is it being choked? Is it barn? Is it being scorched by the sun and the thorns and the thistles are stopping the goodness coming from the soil? Do we need to be constantly weeding to, to tend our mind and to remove the weeds which will give uh, a chance to cut out the, the good fruit and the good uh, crop from coming through? We get stressed and we miss out on the best that God has for us because of the battle in our minds. And we need to ask ourselves, and what is it that we fill our minds with? What comes into our minds? We're concerned about pollution, but uh, one of the, the main forms of pollution is pollution of our minds. And uh, things that we can see on the internet, things that we can pick up from television. It's interesting... Uh, You'll all recognize this character here. Probably 50 or 60 years that we've had Superman. And uh, if you think of him as, as being your stereotypical superhero, the things that he uh, stands for as a hero, you know, we wouldn't have any problems identifying with his, his ethics, his moral, moral character, and what, what he's about. But if you think of some of the other heroes that we have today, I don't know if, you're, if that's big enough for you to, to recognize that. Uh, don't know if you recognize who that is, character in Netflix, uh, Breaking Bad. He's a chemistry teacher, I for, it's Walter, someone I've forgotten his name. But heroes today, I just put him up as an example that he's trying to do the right thing. He's trying to provide for his family. Uh, 
trying to see them through difficult times. He has cancer and he wants to provide for his family. And the way he does it is by trading drugs and becomes a drug dealer. And so the heroes that we often have today in television and the media, they're often quite uh, dark characters and they're, they're trying to do good, but there's dark mixed in there as well. And it, we need to ask ourselves when we watch television, when we look at the internet, what am I feeding my mind with? When anxious thoughts come, it's very hard to suppress them and to make them go away. You can't just say stop and that's the end of it. Instead, we need to replace one thought with another. If we're focusing on our anxiety and making ourselves more and more worried, then we need to stop that cycle. And Paul is showing us here in this passage how to do that. We can't just say stop, but what we need to do is replace one thought with another. And that's what Paul is saying for us to do here, to develop the habit of what we think upon, what we meditate on, what we fill our minds with. And as you do, those wholesome thoughts displace your worry. The final thing that Paul asks us to do is to be uh, content in all circumstances. There's a danger in our lives of uh, not really living now, but living either looking at the past or looking forward to the future. We can live in the shadow of the past and we can think of our lives as being a journey and we've come to a junction in the road and we've gone to the left rather than gone to the right. And a lot of people can go through life thinking, well, what if? What if I'd gone this other direction? What if I'd taken that job? What if we'd moved to that place? What if I hadn't done what I'd done in that circumstance? And you can go to the other extreme of the future as well and thinking, well, things are going to be okay if only this happens to me. If I experience this blessing in this way, then... God's plan will be fulfilled for me. And we can be bound up in happen, in uh, longing for that. And Paul is saying right now, whatever the circumstances, whatever you find yourself, Paul's writing in prison. Paul says whether you've got plenty or whether you, you haven't got much at all, he says you need to learn to be content in your circumstances. And verse 12 For I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. God wants us to enjoy our relationship with him and to be glad with what I have right now. Rather than looking at the past or rather than waiting for something to happen in the future, Joy isn't based on circumstances. We're bombarded in the media, uh, adverts, that sow this yearning in our hearts. If only I had more, if only I had a, a better car, a better lifestyle, a better house, a better whatever, that I'll be satisfied with this. But it's never enough. We keep wanting more. We need to place our security in what can't be taken away from us in our relationship with God. 
Our security doesn't come from our material well-being and the abundance that we have. It's not conditional in our circumstances, what might or might not happen. Our security comes from Christ in our relationship that he's called us to. And Paul says, through that he has then the ability by Christ's strength to do all things. So just in closing, we will experience God's peace if we do these five things and build them into our lives and develop that habit within our lives to refuse to worry about anything, to talk to God about everything, to thank God in all things, to think about good things, and to be content in all circumstances. Let's just pray as we read these verses again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, we commit ourselves to you. You know what lies ahead of us this, ahead of us this week and in the weeks ahead. And Lord, you go before us, you go behind us, you surround us with your presence. Lord, help us to trust in you, to again put our faith in you and to walk with you, knowing that you hold our hand. And Lord, that we can hear your voice and be the people you want us to be in the circumstances that you've placed us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.